listening to Ridecast, the podcast of the Widow Sons Ridings chapter. The opinions expressed in this episode do not represent those of the Widow Sons Masonic Biker Association UK and Ireland. You can find us on Facebook at Widow Sons Ridings chapter, on Instagram at Widow Sons underscore Ridings chapter. Our website is ridings.wsmba.uk. You can look us up on YouTube by searching for the Ridecast channel. And if you want to contact us directly, email us on ridecast.hotmail.com. Right, that's the housekeeping taken care of. Kickstands up, on with the show. Hello, 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 and welcome, welcome, welcome to Ridecast. And we're starting a new season, new year, new season, season three now, guys. Did you think we'd make it to season three? I wasn't surprised we have been chucked off from season one. <laughs> so we're on season three, episode one. This is Yaka, your host, and my co-hosts are Gremlin. Hello. <laughs> is that it? Okay. And also Pigpen. Hello, Pigpen. Hello there. How are we doing? Yeah, good, good. All uh, raring to go with the new episode. So, guys, um, I guess we should uh, crack on with the show. We've got a little bit of a news update to do in segment one. Segment two, we've got an awesome deep dive into the uh, superstar stuntman, daredevil, Eddie Kid. So I'm looking forward to chatting about Eddie Kid with you guys. And then segment three, we've got a few emails to uh, to answer. Right. OK, what have we got to do with, uh, with the news update then? Anyone want to start on the news update? Well, it's always about me. So let's go. I got my trike. Sickle. Yes, yeah. When was that? Three weeks ago. Three was weeks it really? ago. Yeah. It was absolutely chucking it down with rain. And suddenly, the time I was collecting it, the rain stopped. The clouds parted. The blue sky and the sun was shining on the righteous as normal. And you had quite a few guys there as well, didn't you? I didn't make it because I had a bit of fiasco. First of all, yeah. for some reason, my battery was flat on the bike, despite me charging it the night before i think my trickle charge has gone a bit dodgy so anyway couldn't start the bike and then i thought right well i'll go in the car i'll meet them at squires in the car i ended up um, checking my oil on my car and shutting my keys inside my bonnet and locking the keys under the bonnet so that took me about an hour to get them out uh <laughs> that was a bit of a nightmare i had a bit of a sweat on trying to t- use tire levers to open my bonnet to get my keys out but like, anyway I ended up going straight to Squire, so I didn't see you guys at Harley Davidson. But the good news is I managed to take a little bit of video footage on my, uh, what do you call it? My Gimp, Gimp Boy camera? My Gimbal yeah. camera. Yeah, yeah, Gimp Boy camera. <laughs> good job you weren't there to witness it, because it was it was pretty bad with the start of the riding. <laughs> really? Why? What happened? You all seemed to arrive in different groups. It was very odd. Oh, th- this, was, this was as soon as I sat on the trike, started it going. I almost crashed. <laughs> Um, weight distribution is very strange. As I have lost my right leg, I seem to be veering towards the left. I kept wanting to put my left foot down, thinking I was still on a motorbike. And what they suggested was that I get off it, give them the keys and sell it. No, what they actually said was <laughs> there was a <laughs> there was a little industrial unit um, like next door to Leeds Harley Davidson. Said, right, just go in there and practice your turning. There's yeah, nobody yeah. there. There's no vehicles there just practice going around and i did for about 10 minutes which certainly made it easier but it is very different to riding a conventional motorbike as being on a track you really work your arms you really push the handlebars left and right yeah there's no leaning it into corners you have to physically manhandle it around corners no. don't you? pig pen was behind me on the a64 going towards the red bus i think it was somewhere near there and there's like a right hand bed 
and I was merrily going along and I was leaning a bit to the right and I thought, oh, shit, <laughs> I am not going to make this. And I really had to suddenly, and he saw the bike twitch, didn't you, to the right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> but it's, it's just a case of getting used to it. You know, right hand, for some reason, right hand corners are very straight. Mind you, going around corners on a normal bike was very bad before, wasn't it? <laughs> you, but, you weren't good, were you? <laughs> so Buzz has made a like a cage that goes around the foot plate to get my foot in there. So because I wouldn't know if it bounced off, you know, w- 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 with the motion. So that's absolutely brilliant. It was a bit of a tight fit, as I recall. But yeah. you've had, since since had it adjusted. Well, he, so. he's, he has adjusted it slightly, but he's got it needs to get some longer bolts to go in there, or, or or some more spaces and longer bolts just to open it, just to take it out a, a couple of centimeters. So yeah. that'll be fine. And also he's going to put something, a little piece of metal work at the back to stop my foot sliding out of the back. And then we, because of the brake adaptations, standard Harley mirrors didn't go through because they're metric and Harleys are imperial. So he managed to get me some mirrors put on today and they are like skeleton hands holding a mirror. Awesome. Awesome. Actually, I think... um... I'm sure Kenny Alien has got something similar with like has skeleton it? hands coming up yeah. in his mirrors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm really happy. Did you um, you find yourself using separate braking, or are you pulling both brake levers, or what are you doing? Pulling both brake levers at once. Are you? Yeah, I've, I've just got to get used to that sort of yes, because I've got obviously got no foot brake. Uh, actually, I do have a foot brake on the left hand side. You know, you put that down, and that is like a handbrake in a car now. So oh, I've got okay. To, I've got to keep remember to take that off before I set up. I couldn't work out why it wouldn't go into reverse, and it's because the foot brake was on. Right. So there, you know, there are some not it just it just it, taking time to ride it and get used to it. Since your since you picked the bike up, how how many miles do you think you've done on it? Have you been out on it much, or is it well, we went cold? from Leeds Harley Davidson all the way to Squires and home, so that was about forty miles that day, 30, 40, yeah, thirty odd miles. And then today I've been to near Squires and back, so another 20, 30 miles. Okay, early days then. Early yeah, days. give it a couple of hundred miles. That's on road work he's done. He's, he's ploughed fifteen fields with the Harley. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a few tons of spuds. Oh, out of the field. Many, many, many hours of field work. <laughs> As I said, watch it. It's like having a ruddy car, you know, because you've got. Two two rear fenders and all of that. I it's a lot know. of surface area, isn't it? A lot of surface yeah. area to clean. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? It looks nice and I like it. And it's got me out there. It's fantastic. But tell me this. How come um, there were three bikes turned up from the A1 side and then five minutes later, about seven or eight more guys with you leading them turned up from the railway bridge side? And I'm thinking they're all coming in in different groups. Right. Here. They all set off together. And then half we, an hour after that, Sack turned up with a couple more. We did set set off together, but obviously nobody was doing any dropping off. So we got to roundabouts or wherever. And uh, Bobby was leading and Bobby just took us straight up the A64 to Tadcaster. And that way, others, I think it must have peeled them off towards the A63 down to Squires that way. And three went down the A1. Um, and I think I think Raspberry was holding them up, up on his one two five, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. So I was stood there with Tess, and I can't remember there was somebody else with me there. Anyway, I filmed you all coming in, and uh, yeah, it was great to see you leading that group of seven or eight bikes riding into Squires. It was plowing, quite emotional. Plowing the field as I went through. <laughs> yeah, dragging a trailer full of turnips. Yeah, but you know what? What was interesting is when we left. 
we had a photograph outside. How many of us were there? And it was the Satan Slaves meeting at the same time, wasn't it? There was, yeah. They, they were. They had a chat with you, though, didn't they? Because mm-hmm. on the way out, I'd said, you know, our president is uh, it's his first day back on the road today after his uh, his accident, and they 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 were like giving giving it the whole well done, mate. Good to see you yeah, back on the bike. And... Yep, very courteous. It was nice. Satan Slaves were very uh, were very good towards you, aren't they? Over it, they were dead friendly. They're, they're yeah. nice guys. They're nice guys. Big shout out to them. They're good lads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello to the Satan Slaves Yorkshire. Um, yeah, so we had a bite to eat inside, didn't we? We had. I was quite surprised at actually how many of us were in there, but we all had a real Cornish nasty uh, yeah. cup of tea, and uh, yeah, it was just, went for the full burger, and he always has a full English breakfast or something big, doesn't he? Can I just say how nice it was to see Howard there, to see H there, to see, you know, Cassio there. And they'd ridden some miles to come over, sack and trip. And there were obviously the the ones that couldn't make it. <laughs> yeah. But it was the week after. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or, or. Not saying any names. Badger. Yeah, Badgie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, it started. Um, it started getting dark fairly early, so we all yeah. jumped back on the bikes and away we went. But I've got yeah. some. I've got some real good footage, and I will be overlaying the video footage good. on the video episode. So and I'd like to like to thank uh, both Elton and Pigpen for escorting me home because we went to the petrol station, filled up. God, it takes some fuel, does that? Unless fuel's gone up so much since I rode a bike, it, it took a a lot in there. About nearly thirty quid. Yeah. There's yeah. a hole in my tank. Or were you siphoning off at the same time, Pig Ben, straight through to your tank? Well, no, tractors have a bigger tank, don't they? <laughs> of they do. <laughs> does, it, does it fill up on diesel, mate? Or <laughs> Red diesel. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, yeah, so that was brilliant. Good news. Great to get to uh, yeah. see Gremlin back out on, on the road with us again. What else have we got in the way of news, guys? Well, what we are going to be doing, and I need to get it organised, hopefully this week, is do we know what the forecast is like next weekend? Uh, because no, it would no. be very nice for us to be able to go to Disability Action Yorkshire and present the cheque, okay, uh, which yeah. we were supposed to be doing before about November time, but I think it was it was snowing that weekend, and get to meet the residents there um, because they're really excited about meeting us all. Well, the, the weather is definitely improving. Uh, okay. it's still, it's I would say it's still maybe a little cold for long rides. Not that where you're talking about is that far away, but did you? You obviously you had a ride over to. Um, New Squires today, didn't you? Showing yep. an helmet direction. There were quite, how, a, few, there was quite a few out riding. It was nice actually. Once yeah. I scraped the ice off, it was uh, <laughs> it was actually quite nice. The roads were fine. I rode to Strawberry Fields and I met um, Jag there and uh, one of our new ca- uh, candidates, Alan. Um, and uh, it was all right actually. It was. I mean, it was a little cool once you get up to speed. But um, did, did did all three of you go on your bikes? Jag was in his car. He doesn't like getting his bike. He don't want to get his bike dirty. I don't blame him. He lives out in the sticks, and there really are tractors all over the road there. So uh, I don't blame him. But uh, yeah, so the weather is improving. Hopefully, it'll be nice um, next weekend. And I think the is it the weekend after we've got the AGM. Yeah. So uh, yeah. they'll probably that's at Squires as usual. Um, so I would imagine a few of us will be going on the bikes for that, won't we? Like we never do. <laughs> so how do you feel being halfway through your tenure as president? Well, I, I haven't had a lot to do this year, really, or last year, did I? Well, <laughs> I, one week into it, you, and ran, that was you it. ran the chapter from your hospital bed. Let's just say uh, that's all you could do at the time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Well, I've got to be voted in first. Like, there might be people saying, "You know what? We've had enough of Spacky. Get rid of him." Well, me and Pigpen didn't want to say anything, but. Uh... <laughs> 
You've already blackballed. <laughs> it, it, it actually would be nice to do a full year riding yeah. out. We have a VP who did step in and step up to the plate last year when you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He did a business. very good job as well. Yeah. Down and did his things he had to do. So, yeah, no, Cass, Cass did what he had to do for when he did it. So that was good. Yeah. yeah. Poor old Cassie had to go to the National AGM all on his lonesome, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Down in Derbyshire. Speaking of which, I'll be coming up again soon as well. Will you be going, to that? Will you be yep. going to that one this year, Gremlin? Yep. So, uh, but I'm not having an MOT the day before. That proved a little dangerous last year. <laughs> so, yeah. we have obviously the Ridings Chapter AGM on Saturday the 18th. Yeah. And we will then be having the Widow Sons National AGM on Saturday the 25th. Myself, Pigpen and Cassio are down to go. We've paid our funds and it'll be interesting to see what it's all about as I missed it last year. Good, good. Okay, any other updates? Well, I think Pigpen can tell us we've got about 75 new candidates. I must speak to the <laughs> President Crowley about it and just say, you know, you take an afternoon <laughs> off and there's so many candidates. <laughs> We've had a few uh, register. I think it's probably a good idea if we make it a, a, a requisite that you have to own a motorcycle. I was going to say, it would, be nice if, <laughs> it would be nice if they had motorbikes, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, we're getting there. No, there's, there's one lad hasn't got one, but he's getting one this month. Alan bought one yesterday. He's upscaled from a Lexmoto 125 to a pre-war Kawasaki 500 so yeah it's a pre-war it's a 96 it's an old 1996 you know it's all right though it's all there it's got brand new tires on it <laughs> well <laughs> what more can you say <laughs> right serious, serious point here has he got his walking stick holders on it has he yes. has he had those adapted his, his rocket launchers you mean on the back of the bike yeah yeah they're on the back zip tie do you on. know what I've heard that the, the Russians are targeting his bike because they think it's a mobile scud <laughs> unit <laughs> it does look like a rocket launcher it looks like some out of a James Bond movie no no bless him he's got himself a bike um and and thanks to Frank for lending him the one yeah. lending him the one two five but he's got a big bike now and uh, looking forward to getting out for rides with him when the weather improves. Yep, and to the other candidates without bikes, buy one. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe you've got something for us, Pigpen. Yeah, we have got two candidates for this year's Widow Sun Scotland branding. Bloody hell, they're doing them every six months now, aren't they? These no, brandings. This, this will be the only one this year. Yeah, it's right. back to back to yearly and they have reduced the numbers so the 75 brandies now maximum which includes 20 widow son scotland right so it's only 55 from the rest of the uk rest of the country yeah wow it's a bit of a bun fight for how many you get but we so tell me who's who's going from our chapter uh we have got cappy and brasso yeah excellent Excellent. We have got other members to do, but they can't make it this year, so... Yeah. What a shame. Anyone go in as helpers? Well, the, there's four helpers have been have put their names forward, which was Bandito, yeah. Inky, Pigpen, and Mawa. Right. And are you, all four of you were confirmed, or...? Yes. You are, right? No, they yeah. said we can have four helpers. Yeah, they oh, put a number on helpers. It was just the, the actual brandies. Brandies, right. I think it was, it was getting a bit large and maybe a bit, it was losing its. I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. With a big you, you end up getting 200 people there. It gets a bit out of hand, doesn't it? 
yeah, yeah. It took forever to get round and it lost that sort of special feel whereas now it's back to being you know you've got to get your name in you've got to do it and get yeah, there yeah 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 oh, i'll go this year so no so that's a uh, Another good bit, a couple more. Well, I hope, I hope the um, the weather's nice and mild for you. I don't really. I hope it's freezing. <laughs> Usually is, but yeah. that's part of it. It's all part of it, guys. You know. Yeah. yeah. That'd be good. It'd be good. Two more people getting the L-shaped patch on, which is great. Yeah, yeah. More of them squares on our members, the better. That It looks, it looks yeah. great, in, great in photographs when everyone's got the square patch. Yeah. yeah. And we're back into segment two. And on this segment, we are going to do a deep dive on one of my favorite motorcycling personalities from when I was a kid. You might remember um, five or six episodes back, we did Evil Knievel. We did a deep dive on Evil Knievel. So we thought we'd bring it back to the UK. We'll get all uh, Union Jack on, uh, on the podcast. And we're going to talk about the fabulous Eddie Kidd. Yeah. So this is a deep dive on Eddie Kidd, and we've decided to, to divide this up between the three of us. Yeah. And Pigpen, you're going to get the uh, the ball rolling with his early years. So what can you tell us about Eddie Kidd when he was a kid? Kid as a kid. Well, uh, yeah, Eddie Kidd, OBE, was born on the tw- Monday, the 22nd of June, uh, 1959. 1959. Same year as you, uh, Gremlin. I think that makes him... <laughs> 63 as we speak. 63. Yeah. Right. Uh, he was the son of Eddie Senior and Marjorie. Uh, and they had two siblings, which were Sarah Jane and Christina. And they were born in Islington, or where they were raised in Islington in London, uh, before he moved to where he is now. Uh, before that, there isn't, I mean, after that really, there isn't a great deal until... It sort of gets to his sort of into his early years of high school. Uh, and the first sort of real interesting bit you find about him was at 12 years old, he he had watched uh, Evil Knievel. On was, the it, t- was that with Awful Knawful? Yeah, Awful Knawful. <laughs> and it inspired him to be a stunt rider. Apparently, uh, I I read that his dad took him to the cinema to see a movie called Evil Knievel or Viva Knievel or something, and it had George Hamilton playing Evil Knievel. And apparently that that was like absolutely blew his mind. And Anyway, carry on. Yeah, with the motorbike side, he, he just thought it was absolutely brilliant. So he came home, he gathered 11 of his friends up, got them to lay down in the middle of the road... Set himself up a plank on a brake and 12 years old, took his push bike and jumped over these kids. And been there, been there when I was about eight, nine years old, jumping me drifter. Yeah, yeah, all of us have. That yeah. was of his start. Uh, we tried that now with you, Pigpen, on my trike. you just <laughs> run him over, wouldn't you? you just run him over. Do you know what? The funny thing is, is me and Gremlin were doing that on our grifters and boxers. Whereas Pigpen was actually doing it on a real motorcycle. I know. I know. <laughs> what did I have? An XR125S Honda. Anyway, moving on. So at 15 years old, he got his first motorbike uh, for the road and using. And then at 16, he did his first sort of televised jump. Uh, and that was over 13 double decker buses. Yes, I've got that in my uh, list. That was in 1976. Yeah. Um, and that was a funny one. And that's on YouTube. I suggest you look this one up on YouTube. 
What happens in this one, Pigpen? It's quite oh, funny, isn't it? Yeah, do you know the team it was who he was with? No, go on. It was with Cyclo Manic's team, who who he was part of, and the bike he was on was a nineteen seventy six CCM five hundred. Right. Okay. So they were like a, a little like stunt riding team, were they? That did did events and shows and things. Like a, a team that used to go around doing it, and I think that got him actually. He got the junior world champion. First. For, for jumps, he jumped so many buses or whatever. Right, uh, okay. Because, yeah, his dad and his uncle, there was a golf course at the end of where the jump was. And the golf course were kicking off, saying that he was going to ride onto the greens and, you know, couldn't happen. And they were trying to stop it. So they, they said, no, no, we'll put something in place to, so it doesn't happen. So they had his dad and his uncle at the end of the ramp with a big sheet. Idea was if he got to that point, they'd catch the bike and him in the sheet and stop it. But he overcooked the jump a bit and was heading towards him at a large pace. So he laid. Yeah, the- he must have been doing about sixty or seventy mile an hour straight yeah. at him. So he laid the bike on its side, which instantly the front wheel took his dad out and the back wheel took his uncle out, and he broke his dad's leg. Yeah, so- it's pretty bad. I mean, he literally cleans them up. They're doing cartwheels in the air, aren't they? It's really quite bad. He ended up in a ditch, but he was he was fine, and yeah, it got him his uh, his big break and his big start, and that but was. The it. crazy thing is, he actually he landed the jump, didn't he? If he'd oh. have had more room to decelerate, it would have been the perfect jump. It was upright. It was just he laid it down because it was like nowhere to go. Not going to stop this, so he, yeah, he, he laid it on its side on the grass to stop it. So that was where his sort of his big start was. Uh, do you want me to move on? Because I've got some more of his jump highlights here. Yeah, carry on from there. Okay, so that's that was, as um, Pigpen has said, that was his first televised jump where he, he got a bit of a name for himself. Um, but he was travelling with those with that crew. They were doing shows all over the country, weren't they? So he was, he was picking up experience, doing small jumps. But that was the first real big jump. That was 13 double-deckers. I've, I've, I've eaten four in, a, in one go. <laughs> yeah. Um, whatever happened to double deckers? Are they still going now? Oh, no. Anyway, 1977. So he's now 18 years old. And this was another big jump. This was 22 cars. And he did that at Longleat, you know, Longleat House. Yeah. So that was 22 cars. Again, another good landing. Um, April the 8th, 1978 was the next major jump for him. This is where he jumped 14 double-decker buses, and this is where he actually took the record from Evil Knievel. So at 18 years old, he jumped 190 feet over 14 double-decker buses and became more successful than Evil Knievel. I mean, Evil Knievel was famous for crashing, whereas I think Eddie Kidd was landed more successfully, didn't he? Um, and then a year, sorry, uh, yeah, a year later in 1979, there were two big jumps. Now, he had picked up a little bit of notoriety and uh, movie companies started getting in touch with him to perform uh, motorcycle stunts on movies movies, and do um, some stunt double work. Now, in 1979, there were two jumps he did in 79. One was for a film called Hanover Street, which was a Harrison Ford movie. So he stunt doubled for Harrison Ford. He did a 90-mile-an-hour, 120-foot jump over a railway cutting, so quite high in the air, and that's at Shepton Mallet in Somerset. 
he had a dummy tied to his back on that one because he was supposed to be carrying mm-hmm. a passenger. But he again successfully landed that one. So that's the film Hanover Street. And then in the same year in 1979, he starred in his in his own movie called Riding High, which was actually released a year later in cinemas in 1980. But the jump he did there was you might have seen this one, guys. It was an 80 foot jump over a broken railway bridge from one side of the bridge to the other over riv- the River Blackwater in Malden, Essex. Um, and he get again successful land, bit of a dodgy landing. He landed heavily on the back wheel. I said he was laid off the back of the bike when he landed. He yeah, he he recovered it though. Uh, I think he injured his leg slightly, but he managed to slow slow down, turn around, and go do a victory lap back to the bridge. And yeah, and that was how the movie ended. Now, Riding High, the movie is actually on Netflix. I watched it uh, yesterday just to check. And- well, as you can imagine, it's 1980s, British made, pretty um, shocking acting. Um, and But it's got a certain 80s charm about it. And he's very young. Obviously, he's, uh, what will he be there if he was at 79? He would have been 19. Um, his first acting job. But, you know, it's lots of shots of him riding around on a motocross bike on a beach, basically. But it's good. It's good. And the jump, can't, you can't deny the jump. It is an amazing jump. Right, what have I got now? Oh, yeah, I'm going to fast forward a little bit because I'm doing jump highlights here. So that was um, 1980. By the way, Linda Bellingham is in Riding High. Do you know who Linda Bellingham is? Yes. Yoxo mum? Yep. He had a bit of a thing with her. He had a relationship with her for a while, Linda Bellingham. Yeah. I believe she died recently, didn't she? R.I.P. Linda Bellingham. Yeah. Um, Right, so as I said, I'm going to fast forward a little now to 1993, two noteworthy events in 93. One was the Great Wall of China, where he jumped over the Great Wall of China. Um, They set up a uh, ramp, jump ramp, and a landing ramp on either side of the wall. The actual distance of the jump wasn't massive, you know, it wasn't a huge distance, but it was quite a drop. I think it was something like a 10-meter drop from the takeoff ramp to the um, landing ramp. And from the takeoff ramp, you can't see the landing ramp. So it's a bit of a you know, a leap of faith, isn't it? To, to take a jump and you can't see where you're landing. But he, he landed that successfully, ended up in a big pile of cardboard boxes, but he kept the bike upright. Any, any ideas on the make of bike, what it was? I think he, at that point he was jumping on, is it CR500s? Yeah, that, that'll be a Honda, was it? <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, he's on the mighty Hondas there. Mighty yeah. Honda. Oh, don't tell me this is why he's famous for landing and Evil Knievel is famous for crashing because his was on Harley Davidson's. He can't land a brick, mate. To be fair, you know, Evil Knievel was jumping very, very big, solid, heavy Harleys. Um, yeah. And, and you know, Eddie Kidd had better equipment, didn't he? And, I mean, even nowadays, you can't compare these guys with your Travis Pastranas and your Nitro Circus guys. They're jumping the length of football pitches nowadays, aren't they, without, without any problem. It's a totally different game now. Um, and one more thing in 1993, who has heard of the Daredevil duel? Yeah. Evil Knievel versus Eddie Kidd. That was a pay-per-view event. What happened was uh, Robbie Knievel, the son of Evil Knievel, uh, decided there was a money-making scheme. Uh, he challenged the British Daredevil, Eddie Kidd, to a duel, a, a jump duel. Um, Eddie Kidd accepted, went over to America um, and they basically the rules were you had three jumps each. They weren't. I don't believe they were actually jumping anything. It was just purely on distance alone, jump and land. So, you know, obviously you had to land on two wheels and keep the bike upright. And what they did is they added up the you know the combination of the three distances 
to uh, declare a winner. And I'm happy to say Eddie Kidd stuffed the Americans. Um, he beat uh, Robbie Knievel by six feet. Yep. Now, it doesn't sound much, does it? But six feet is six feet. <laughs> All adds up, doesn't it? And uh, the funny thing is... is five, I... five more than me. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, before the jump, obviously, there was a little bit of hype and a bit... It's a bit, a bit like a boxing match. They were both, you know, trying to wind each other up. And I saw a, a clip of uh, Eddie Kidd being interviewed by some journalists and TV people. And he said, and they were saying, do you really think you can beat the legend of Robbie Knievel? And he said, oh, well, I don't think I could. He was a bit of a cockney, wasn't he? I don't think I could beat his dad. His dad was a legend. He said, but Robbie, you know, he's a big boy, isn't he? He's a big old boy. He weighs more than my motorbike. <laughs> he says, we call him Chubby Knievel. <laughs> anyway, Robbie Knievel was wearing the full race leathers, the full one-piece Evil Knievel style race leathers. And uh, good old Eddie Kidd was wearing a pair of jeans with leather chaps and a, and a, you know, bike jacket with studs all over it. But um, yeah, so uh, that was a win for Great Britain there with Eddie Kidd on the duel. Um, I've, I've got a couple of other things to tell you about here as well, guys, because he had a couple of little um, uh, side careers. Obviously, I've already mentioned the stunt double work, but there's a couple of the movies I want to mention. Obviously, I've already said about the Harrison Ford in... Uh, doubling for Harrison Ford in Hanover Street in 79, but he also doubled for Val Kilmer in Top Secret in 1984. Timothy Dalton in The Living Daylight, you know, the yeah. Bond movie. He yeah. uh, doubled for Timothy Dalton. That was in 87. I think we've talked about that stunt. Do you remember back in season one, we talked about all the different movie motorcycles? Yeah. And there was a scene at the beginning of the movie where doesn't he jump off a, he's on a, one of those elephant, Kajiva elephants and I'm not sure if it's the same movie. Anyway, so Timothy Dalton, Living Daylights, Roger Moore and Michael Caine in a movie called Bullseye in 1990. Anyone heard of that one? Never no, but keep it. out of the black and in the red. You get out in this game for two in two a bed. Two in a bed, yeah, yeah. Uh, and finally, Pierce Brosnan in Goldeneye in 95. I think that was the one I was thinking of. Yes, maybe. yeah, that's when he went over the, uh, yes. Um, yeah. In 1984... A computer game was released called Eddie Kid Jump Challenge, and that was on the Acorn Electron, BBC Micro, Commodore 64, and the ZX Spectrum. And I remember that because I was a Spectrum kid back in 84. So that was the Big Eddie Pens on the Spectrum, from what I've heard. <laughs> uh, right, 1987. Did you guys know we did a bit of modeling? Yes. Right. So we did a bit of modeling, and I've got three commercials that he appeared in here. Two of them I don't remember. Pigpen took over them because they were for hair, hair hair products. Sun silk, yeah, that was a hairspray, wasn't it? No, it's shampoo. Is it shampoo, is it? Right. Yeah. Vileda. Now, isn't that the mop? Isn't Vileda the mop? <laughs> Super know. mop. And then the final one, everyone will remember this one, the Levi advert, the 501 advert. Yeah. yeah. And is that it? was the one where he was, uh, Eddie Kidd was coming in looking like like Elvis, sort of look like, into a nightclub. The doorman stops him because he's wearing jeans. And Eddie basically flashes the 501, the red 501 tab, yeah. uh, and lets him in. What was the music playing? I think it was, I heard it through the through great the time. Well, was it that it? one or was that the one where that guy takes his kegs off and washes himself? That was Nick Kamen, one of yeah. the laundrette. I, don't, I, I think that was a different song. I think you're right about Heard It Through the Grapevine. Yeah, I think the Nick Kamen one was Don't Know Much About History. That Could one. have been. 
Anyway, so yeah, so we did a bit of modeling there. The Levi 501 advert, everyone remembers, remembers that one. In 1978, early in his career, he uh, he got a recording contract. You know, people were jumping on the bandwagon. They knew he was popular. They said, let's get him, let's cut a record here and get some records out. I'm sure someone will buy him. Um, he actually um, released a full album, which was called Just For The Record in 1978. Several singles also. Uh, listen to the names of these uh the titles of these singles motorbike kid yeah leave it to the kid yeah in 78 black leather silver chrome and yep. heavy metal in 81 they all sound like saxon records to me but uh, anyway listen leave it to the kid was his most popular uh, record and i've got a clip of it here do you want to hear a bit of leave it to the kid go on then So there you go. Leave it to the kid. He should yes. have stuck at jumping over buses. <laughs> yeah, right. I've got a little bit of info on his private life here. Um, three marriages. Yeah. First marriage to Debbie Ash, who is the sister of Leslie Ash. Uh, Debbie yeah. Ash was also a dancer and an actress. Um, but you might, may remember Leslie Ash was in, do you remember um, Men Behaving Badly? Yep. Yeah, yeah. She's the original tra trap out. That's right, yeah. Uh, he had one child with Debbie Ash, um, but I, I, I couldn't find any dates for the marriage and divorce, but I know that they did separate and divorce. His second wife was called Sarah Carr. They were married in 1983. Were they? What? Who, who was that to? To Debbie Ash? Debbie Ash, and they had one child, a girl called uh, Candle. Candle, interesting name. Uh, second marriage I've got down here, Pigpen, Sarah Carr, waitress from Stringfellows, the nightclub. Uh, again, they had another child. You don't have a name on that child, do you? I do. They were married in 1994, and they had a son called Jack. Right, right. And then finally, um, he married an old flame of his that he'd met something like 20-odd years earlier called Samantha Curley. They were married between 2007 and 2012. She was a model. And I think Gremlin will probably have some more to tell us about Samantha yep. Curley when we come to his portion of the yep. uh, of the Eddie Kid story, so that that's my research comes to an end. There, I'm going to hand over to Gremlin now. They had a son as well. Oh, so he's had three children in total then. Yeah, that was Callum. Right, excellent. What have you got for us then, Gremlin? He had an accident in 1996. There we go. That's all done for me. No, <laughs> <laughs> seriously. One thing you fa you failed to mention is he didn't get a UK motorbike license until 1995. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, did you know he had? He had over 12,000 jumps during his stunt career. 12,000. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. I was just saying, in um, August the 6th, 1966, sorry, 1996, uh, Eddie Kidd was involved in a serious motorcycle accident while performing at the Bulldog Bash, held at Long Martin Airfield near Stratford-upon-Avon. And that is the, um, that's the Hells Angels rally, yeah. the Bulldog And in Bash, comparison to some of his previous studs, the jump Kidd made that day was relatively minor, comprising a jump of approximately 49 feet across a drag strip. The relative short landing area beyond the drag strip consisted of an uphill incline leading to the edge of a steep embankment. Although Eddie completed the jump and landed the bike upright on two wheels, his chin struck the petrol tank of his motorcycle and he was knocked unconscious. 
As a result, he was unable to prevent himself and his bike from continuing up and over the six-metre embankment edge. He sustained serious head and pelvic injuries in the resulting fall. After the accident, doctors told kids' parents that it was possible he could end up in a coma for up to 10 years. However, he regained consciousness within three months of the accident, but was left paralysed and with brain damage. So since that unfortunate, horrific accident, but that goes to show, doesn't it, if you have a full face helm on, if it had come down, did he have a full face or would it have been yeah, a... He had a full face motocross style helmet on. But what does that have? What chin protect? Well, it, I mean, it, it's it's in the front of your chin, but not underneath. Yeah. But he came down with such force. It's, you can see it on YouTube. He slammed his head into the petrol tank on, on a real hard landing. But like yeah. a trooper, like a trooper, he stayed on the bike, didn't he? He held yeah. on and rode it up the hill, half concussed, I guess, not partially knocked out. If he had fallen off the bike at that point, he probably would have been okay. Yeah. But he, he held on and went over this If it, this if it had been evil Knievel, he'd have survived, wouldn't he? Because he never landed very landed. well. Yeah, true. It was the most stupid jump you've ever done. Yeah. yeah. So kid yeah. appeared in an episode of Russell Brand's 2002 TV documentary series, Brand, to talk about his life after the accident. Kid took control of a motorcycle again when he formally opened the Beyond Boundaries Live 2007 exhibition at Sandowns Park, Isha, on June the 29th, 2007. On the 17th of July, 2012, he carried the Olympic torch during its relay through Lewes in East Sussex. On the 17th of April, 2011, Kidd started the 2011 London Marathon, ditching his wheelchair at the start and walking the rest of the way, stating it would take four weeks to complete and that it was his greatest stunt yet. On the 6th of June, he completed it. He also said he would complete compete in another marathon in two years' time. So I don't know what happened with that one. Now, he, as Jakob previously um, mentioned, he was married to model Samantha Curley. However, in 2013, she was convicted of assaulting Eddie Kidd. The court heard that she tried to throttle him, slapped him on the face and chest and kicked him. She was sentenced to prison for five months and a restraining order was issued against her. There we go. Sad outcome to that. He wasn't very big, was he? No, he was 5'1", according to what I found out. He's tiny. Yeah. Now, I've, I've been looking around and trying to find out other bits about him. And in September the 8th, 2018, there was an article in the Daily Mirror that said motor start, motorbike stunt legend... Eddie Kidd appeals for a Stephen Hawking-style voice box. Do we know if he ever got one? When he did the Top Gear show, which is only a couple of years ago, I think, then he didn't have one then. Right. That was with Paddy McGuinness, wasn't it? Yeah, because he has a carer, and that bloke looks after him, I think, full time. And did you know that the, the guy that looks after him, that carer, he was his bike tech when he did, yeah. did the jumping stuff. Yeah. That's nice, isn't it? So that yes. guy's been with him for years. Yeah. And he, he, whatever he says, everyone else can't understand, but he instantly knows what he's saying. So and... has, has his speech deteriorated? Because early on in his, uh, after his accident, I remember seeing uh, footage of him saying to the camera, I'll never ride a bike again and it breaks my heart. And you could understand clearly what he was saying. Yeah, so, I... so I'm wondering if he's deteriorated. Yeah, I think literally is unaudible unless you know yeah. what yeah. 
pain, as in his care and those type thing. But he, you know, I don't think anybody else could. Oh dear. Tell uh, the Paddy McGuinness one really shows it, and I don't think he can do anything for himself, particularly now. I don't think he can use his arms or out. He can't eat, feed, wash, clothe. Oh dear. What he's... a terrible ending to a, 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 an amazing life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not that he's, uh, that sounds like he's dead. He's not. He's still got, there's still life in the old boy. Yeah, yet. definitely. But, you know, it's tragic that such a, a a guy full of full of life and adventure and excitement, you know, yeah. is, ends up like that. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah, very sad. The last but... thrill was the end thrill, wasn't it, for him, unfortunately? What yeah. did you make of the um, that jump pig pen? Because yeah, I got, had the feeling you were going to say something about that that bad accident he had. Yeah, when you look at it, the, the whole jump itself was a recipe for disaster. You know, you never jump onto an uphill face. That's you know, going back to motocross, that the last thing you ever wanted to do was either land on the uphill or case it, which is landing on the the edge of the jump. Right. You either land on the flat at the top or you make the landing. On the downside, yeah, and, you know it, the the mechanic guy and everything had said, "Do not do the jump. It's it, it's ridiculous. It's a stupid jump." But he didn't want to. He didn't want to let people down, did he? Down, yeah. he said, "Do this jump for him." Blah blah blah. And yeah, I think that just the way the jump was set up was all wrong. Yeah, you just look back and it would have been no, not. I'm not landing a jump on the face of an uphill. It's, uh, and it's like you said, it wasn't even that big of a jump, was it, compared to some of the jumps he'd done? Yeah. No, it was always a recipe for disaster, the way it was going to be. You're yeah. just landing into a brick wall almost, It's so unfortunately. But uh, as far as um, as far as far the, the daredevil sort of thing goes, he, he definitely held his own against all the American competition, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, well, there were two of his bikes up for sale not long ago. The I can't find the price out though. It's, I don't know where they were hoping to make about thirty five thousand on them. Is he running out of money? Well, no. When, okay, can't be cheap. When you look into him, he's worth about five million. So I don't know what it was for, but yeah, he was selling the CR five hundred. What he jumped the Great Wall of China on. Yeah, and then he was selling the X, the Honda XR five hundred, which he had the accident on. Right. Right. But, Mind you, I suppose, you know, what's the point in keeping a couple of bikes you can't ride, just collecting dust, may as well give them to someone that can uh, yeah. do something with them. But yeah, because he's also got a foundation, hasn't he? Oh, has he raised money for a particular charity, something to do with brain injuries, I would imagine? It's up the Eddie Kid Foundation. He got his OBE for raising uh, £100,000 for children with leukaemia. Excellent. Because um, there was a funny story on that, I think, to... Uh, he got the OBE off Prince Charles. Yeah. And when he received it, his reply was, cheers, big ears. He didn't. <laughs> Brilliant. Good man. Cheers, big ears. And we're back into segment three of the show. And yes, you guessed it. It's time for... Email Corner. Yes, email corner. This is the part of the show where we reply to listeners' emails. So, first of all, I've got a couple of quick shout-out, guys. First of all, on Facebook, I want to say hello to Chip, the VP of Widow Sons Cheshire. Chip's got a new uh, gaming group on Facebook called uh, Solomon Gaming, so go and check that out. And uh, on Reddit, 
Um, these are funny usernames, but somebody called, I think it's Pyruv or Pyruv. He's a new listener and he has subscribed on YouTube. So thank you very much, Peruvi, whatever your name is. Uh, also on Reddit, Jaira Jockey is a British mason that lives in Canada and has started listening to the show. So fraternal greetings to you, Jaira Jockey, and thank you for listening. Right, who's got an email? I have. And it says, uh, hey there, can you boys tell me anything about the Faro rally that Prep School was talking about in the recent episode? And what did he mean when he said that UGLA won't endorse us? And that's all the best for Ant. Well, Ant, I can, what I can tell you is that Faro has one of the biggest motorcycle meetings in Europe. And this year, the Faro Bike Fest Festival is from the 20th to the 23rd of July. And it's Faro, F-A-R-O, which is um, on the south coast of Portugal. And I think that's the airport that people would fly into to go to the Algarve. And for four days, thousands of motorbikes, beer, concerts, exhibitions and street entertainments are the ingredients of what is considered one of the largest and best biker concentrations in Europe. Every year in July, bikers from all over Europe travel to Faro. Ah, right. So it's, it sounds like a European version of Sturgis. That type yes, of thing, it doesn't does. It? So hopefully that's answered the first part of that question. Now, Pigpen, would you like to talk through the second one? Which was when he said that UGLE won't endorse us. What did he mean? Well, I'm going to say I don't. I don't know the trueness behind why they won't, but I think it's because we are not officially recognised by Eagle. Yep. As a lodge, we are a fraternity of brothers, an association rather yeah. than a yeah yeah. We're not a degree. We're not a side order. We are Masonic bikers. Yeah, a group of masons. To be fair, it's not that they don't, they won't endorse us. It seems that they won't endorse any Masonic associations. It's not just yeah. they're not singling us out. Yeah. No, there be there be lads out there who play golf as as Masonic golfers, and yeah. we don't come under their banner. They they are happy for us to be what we are, and they yeah. sort of support us in in what we are and do. Yep. And we're in the museum at Grand Lodge. Yeah, there's our patches in there. Unlike the golf <laughs> there isn't one. <laughs> anyway, right. Who's got an email? Pigpen, you must have an email, dear. I do. Uh, dear Ridecast, I have a couple of questions about things mentioned in the last episode. First of all, what is a knife and fork mason? And secondly, what is the meaning of Mother Lodge? Thanks, guys. Keep biking. And that is from Tasmin. So, knife and fork mason. Knife and fork mason. Yeah. That's what gremlin is. Yeah, there's always a, <laughs> there's a few meanings for knife and fork masons in one sense. There's one only. Well, there's one only. There is the brother that never makes it to the actual ceremony in the temple. He just goes straight to the festive board for his food and his drink. There is that. There's also the... What's the other one? Come on. Well, sometimes you get the mason who... Doesn't want to do anything. Don't want to go on the ladder. Don't want to progress. No, that's not nice. Doesn't want to help person. anything. No, no, no. <laughs> it is those that just turn up to eat. And then you've got the people like you who are a knife and fork mason who <laughs> climb to the top of the tree. You've got no interest anymore. It's just grub time. <laughs> that's not true. I am a very active member of my lodges. So that's a knife and fork, Mason. What's yes. uh, what was the second part? Mother Lodge, wasn't it? Yeah. Technically, your mother lodge is the first lodge that you join. That is where yeah. 
where you started your journey of masonry. So normally to have a mother lodge in the, this meaning is because people join more than one. Yeah. yeah. Or Gremlin's mother lodge. It's Harlow. Harlow, but he's yeah. also the master of... Lassels, rhymes yeah. with tassels, and treasurer of the Widow Sons Lodge. But my but, mother lodge is Harlow 4404. Yeah, so it's normally the one you join first, where yeah. you're educated at, and yeah. that's that's your mother lodge. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, thanks for that, Tasmin. Right, I've got one here for you guys. Um, dear Ridecast, oh, I want a bit of input from everyone here. Dear Ridecast, I am considering changing my ZX14R which is the big Kawasaki, for an adventure bike. Having been a sports bike rider for the last 12 years, I have never ridden a bike with a shaft drive, let alone owned one. I know what the pros and cons are on paper, but can you guys give me any reassurance that I would adapt to a bike with a shaft drive? What are your experiences? Cheers, and that's from Dave. Well, Dave, I think, I think Dave, you can leave this in my very capable hands. You know, being a bike expert for many, many years, you know, <laughs> I have stripped down that many bikes. I understand your your shaft from your um, other bits, and I'd say go for it, buddy. Just give it a go. There's only one shaft on your bike, and that's sat on seat. To dear, be fair, oh dear. To be fair, I come from sports bikes, chain-driven, and I swapped to the cruiser for my sort of – to, to ride out with you girls. <laughs> I don't actually notice a difference. From what? From a chain drive. Yeah, shaft drive, chain drive. Yeah, I um I went, my first uh, shaft drive bike was the GS, and I loved it. It does have a slightly different feel when you're riding it. Um, it's hard to explain. I think there's maybe a touch more engine braking. Would you agree with that, Pigpen? Yeah, you don't get this. You don't get the chain slap, but no, you don't get that. Um, you know, sometimes you when you when you start accelerating, you've got you've got a slight delay as the chain tensions up, which you don't get with the shaft drive. A little bit more engine braking, but the beauty of the chain at the shaft drive is the absolute zero maintenance. Really, I mean, there's no adjusting and lubing. Yeah. Once every what is it, 20,000, 30,000 miles, you've got to change the oil in the shaft drive. Yeah. But they're bulletproof, and they there's no uh, there's no maintenance. I love I love a shaft drive. The VTX has got the shaft drive. Me and uh, Pig Pen are on shaft drives. What's your trike? Is your trike a shaft drive? Belt. It's a belt, is it? Yeah, it's got a laggy band on it. <laughs> go for the belt. Go for belt driven. You know, most of the hardest are belt driven, so that's what I would go for. Well, I'm surprised that that's a belt. I would have thought a big, you know, to turn the back end of that bike being, you know. A trike, you would think it would be a shaft drive, wouldn't you? Actually, I haven't. I haven't looked. I wouldn't know. There's, there's only a single shaft on it, and that's on it. So, yeah, have some energy shafts, can it? Anyway, before this gets out of hand, I would like to thank Dave for his very serious and sensible question, and I hope that we've um, alleviated some of your fears of buying a shaft drive bike. Who's next? I've got one very, I mean, I'm, I'm convinced it's been sent to the wrong podcast because it starts to Mo, Larry and Curly. So he's got our names wrong to start with. <laughs> the last episode wasn't terrible. You had some good guests on the show. Here's a suggestion. Why not get regular guests to host the show and you three can take the rest of the year off? And that's Ooh. the Podjacker. Do you uh... know what, Podjacker? Go f*** yourself. <laughs> The podjacker strikes again. Oh, hello, Podjacker. Some of us don't hide behind a bloody keyboard. 
Get your own podcast and stop giving us a hard time. Keyboard we'll warrior. He's a keyboard than warrior. You could ever do. You've, you've, you've lit the touch paper under the beast now. <laughs> <laughs> I like the guy. I like his style. I think he's funny. <laughs> well, I think he's funny now, winding him up like this. He's made me laugh all night as this. Gremlin Gremlin takes this sort of criticism uh, personally. He doesn't he doesn't like agree it. with you, Podjacker? We should quit. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, right. we're back through through for, from our fantastic sponsors. We are here through a, another season. So I would like to thank our brilliant sponsors, Links Aftershave. <laughs> <laughs> If anyone would like advertising on the show, if they want their brand, their shop, their cafe, yep. mentioning on the podcast, we're yep. very cheap. We're very cheap. And all money we raise goes to charity. That's so, after uh, expenses, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, but listen, if anyone out there has got any uh, uh, questions they'd like to ask us, please send it. Well, we say this every month. We do get a few. We get a few through now and again. Um yep. But thousand over a thousand widow sons in the country. Why aren't you all listening? Most of yep. you are, or some of you are. But uh, tell your friends about the show and get everyone listening. The more listeners we have, we can start generating a little bit more money yep. for charity. So uh, get on it and send us a message, please. Right? Anyone got anything else in the way of messages? Anything they want to say before we wrap up for the night? Well, I think we have a pig pen pal. No, we don't. Surely not. We do. No. Mr. Lover Man. Mr. Lover Lover. <laughs> anyway, this is from, and, and do you know what? It actually preempts that question about the shaft drive because Jenny is 65. She likes Pig Pen. She feels that he is the sort of guy that would always have a chain because she can't imagine him, him only lubing up once every 12,000 miles. Ah. She would like to see him lubing up on a regular <laughs> basis. Now, Jenny, you're getting sort of towards his age group, 65. Um, bit young, bit young for Big Ben, isn't it? And he said he will go out and get that lube for you. So, Jenny, keep on lubing. Yeah, I think you're yanking his chain a bit there, aren't you, Gremlin? <laughs> Pigpen, what do you got to say, mate? Have you got, would you like to reply to what, what was her name again? I, I, I Jenny. Jenny, what have you got to say to Jenny? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys, I think we're going to wrap up, unless anyone has anything else. <laughs> oh. No, no, good, good. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Tune in next month. This has been the opening uh, to season three. So we're into our third year now of recording the podcast. Thanks for all your support. This is Yaka signing off. Over to you, Gremlin. And it's goodbye from him. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye, everyone. Catch you next month. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.